Good evening, everyone. Happy October, and welcome to Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Morelia. October is National LGBTQ History Month, and this is the time every year when we remember the significant events that have shaped our lives and experience. October 11th was National Coming Out Day, and while you may wonder if people still today struggle with coming out, please know they do. LGBTQ people, young and old, continue to face great adversity, and this is only made worse when elected leaders disparage, demean, and attack LGBTQ people and our rights. This is also the month when we typically remember those in our community who have lost their lives to hate. Just last week on Outbeat News, we reported on the number of transgender people, particularly transgender women of color, killed this year has already exceeded the numbers of people killed last year. And typically, our October show also remembers and honors another and iconic victim of hate, Matthew Shepard. And once again tonight, we're going to share with you the highlights from this year's Matthew Shepard Foundation Gala. Now, this annual event both remembers the story of Matthew Shepard, but also celebrates all of the change his story has brought to our world. And although we can't take you to the gala this year, as we typically do, we have some of the gala to bring to you. In fact, I have a gift basket from the Matthew Shepard Foundation that includes swag from this year's gala, including a set of six Tito's glass mugs, four Tito's cozies, two Erase Hate masks, a Matthew Shepard Foundation teddy bear, a signed copy of my book, Coming Out From Behind the Badge, and some other surprises. The basket is now available on eBay for your bid. 100% of the proceeds will go to the Matthew Shepard Foundation and help them continue to fight hate in our country. You'll find a link to the basket right on the center of our website at OutbeatNews.com. Now, before we get to tonight's show, here's your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, October 25th, 2020. This is Greg Morale with your Outbeat Radio News for the week of October 25th, 2020. James Obergefell and Rick Hodges faced off in front of the United States Supreme Court in the landmark marriage equality case Obergefell v. Hodges. But today, they're on the same side. The two men who were plaintiff and defendant in the case have jointly announced that they oppose the nomination of right-wing extremist Amy Coney Barrett to the United States Supreme Court. Obergefell sued Hodges after his role as director of Ohio's Department of Public Health refused to recognize Obergefell's marriage to his now-deceased husband. Hodges, a Republican, supports marriage equality, but the state's constitution outlawed same-sex marriages. The men who became friends after the case was decided gave a joint press conference with Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio, Patty Moray of Washington, and Ron Wyden, along with the interim leader of Family Equality, an organization Obergefell now works for as a fundraiser. Hodges and Obergefell haven't joined forces before in any other cause. During her confirmation hearings, Barrett merely stated that the Supreme Court's decision exists. She neither stated whether she agrees with it nor whether she thinks same-sex marriage should be illegal. Barrett said twice in her confirmation hearings that her rulings as a Supreme Court justice would be bound by legal precedent established by the Obergefell decision. She also said that when questioned by South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham that she doubted any case trying to outlaw same-sex marriage would ever make it to the Supreme Court because lower courts would be bound by the same legal precedent. And the National AIDS Memorial announced last week a virtual exhibition of the AIDS Memorial Quilt that will feature more than 10,000 quilt panels representing all 50 states and U.S. territories. The memorial is inviting interested panel makers, individuals, businesses, and nonprofit organizations to be part of this historic effort 
to use the power of the quilt to help our nation heal and remember those during these difficult times. Each year on December 1st, which is World AIDS Day, the National AIDS Memorial Quilt Team works with hundreds of partners to arrange more than a thousand in-person quilt displays around the country at universities, places of worship, museums, businesses, and community centers to honor and remember loved ones lost to AIDS. This year, due to the COVID-19, that just isn't possible. The exhibition will be free to the public, launching on November 16th in advance of World AIDS Day. You can learn more at aidsmemorial.org. And here locally, face-to-face, Sonoma County's premier HIV and AIDS support organization announced the closing of its thrift store, Three Monkeys. Carrie Saperstein, development director for face-to-face, said that the store has been costing more than it brings in for more than a year. And he said it was a difficult decision, but one that's best for the fiscal health of face-to-face. In a press release, face-to-face said a huge debt of gratitude is owed to the store manager, Richard Cole, along with Roger Lloyd, Monica Hosnick, and a team of amazing volunteers that have been dedicated to running the store and to the mission of ending HIV in the county. Three Monkeys will close its doors on December 15th. For Outbeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. Had the limitations of COVID-19 not been in place, I'd be coming to you from Denver, Colorado right now at the annual Matthew Shepard Foundation Gala, surrounded by 500 or so people dressed in their finest black ties and outfits. But this year's event was, of course, presented virtually. I had a chance this week to talk with the Matthew Shepard Foundation Executive Director, Jason Marsden. Jason, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's great to be back. I'm trying to remember the last time you were here. It's been at least a couple of years uh, that we've talked since we've talked to you last. It was pre-pandemic, to be sure. Um, it may also have been pre-post-apocalyptic fallout era. I certainly hope that era is coming to an end soon. Yes, 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 and that gives us a whole lot to talk about um, because a lot has changed. And you're right. I mean, COVID has really changed everything. Tonight, we're sharing uh, some segments from this year's Matthew Shepard Foundation Gala, which is something that we do every year. Um, Sadly, I'm not doing it live from Denver, as our listeners know. But uh, before we get to some of the amazing moments from this year's event, uh, this is a great time every year when we sort of remember the story of Matthew Shepard. But now, 22 years later, also really focus on all of the change that has come from yep. that story. I mean, it really is quite phenomenal. And the Matthew Shepard Foundation as an organization is is thriving. Uh, so tell us what's been going on the last year. Yeah. So um, around about March 14th, I told the staff, go home. Don't come back until we all decide it's safe. And one staff member was like, do you really think it's going to get that bad or are you just trying to get our attention? And I was like, Oh honey, <laughs> it's going to get bad. Um, and unfortunately I think uh, many of us would agree it got a lot worse than we expected and a lot worse than it needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a set of public policy decisions that were taken at well above my pay grade, but um, we realized we had to adapt. And um, so we have moved our hate crime trainings online as you know uh our uh civil rights director did one just today for california peace officers um we have moved judy and dennis's appearances online 
I've moved my Laramie project, Cast Outreach Online, um, and we've actually, um, I'm not going to use the word silver lining, I think it's distasteful, but one unexpected um, improvement uh, in our outreach that occurred was that we were able to reach people pretty much anywhere uh, and pretty much at any time. I frequently over the years have traveled to a company to do a lunch and learn for the employee research uh, resource group for LGBTQ employees. And there'll be, you know, 90 people in the room and they'll be really excited. And occasionally even they broadcast it on their corporate intranet and 12 mm -hmm. people in Dallas would watch it as well. But there was no culture around watching programs on your screen, right? At that time, you're pretty much like, oh, that's a cool program, but I'm not in that particular hub. Uh, too bad. And then there's like, hey, you can tune in through our compressed video network and people were just kind of like no um and now there is a culture around this in which people are hungry for content and they're hungry for connection and so i did one a month ago for uh a corporation i won't name i think they they all like if you don't mm -hmm. um but a financial services corporation that's well known uh, and I had 1,200 people attend that. Oh, wow. Uh, and we received almost $3,000 worth of spontaneous donations from the people who were tuned in. Um, a major online purveyor of everything that recently had Prime Day uh, hosted Judy and I <laughs> yesterday. Uh, and we had hundreds of participants in that. And likewise, a very positive outcome. So um, as we've gotten more adept at offering this and reaching out to people that we think would take us up on it, uh, which has been a big part of the last six, seven months. Um, a lot of them are saying yes. And so as with the gala, which had to go virtual this year, we had people tuned in from all over the world. We had, I think you heard Debbie on the broadcast say we had two people in Egypt, in Cairo, Egypt, watching it at two in the morning, local time. So, um, it's been a real revelation. I think one of the things that organizations of every sort need to think about right now is what did you used to think was impossible or unrealistic that now is actually your best play right? Um, and adapt. And I've been really, really proud of the team at MSF that they have been 100% focused on adapting and making this work. Yeah, it's really exciting. And it's kind of interesting to think that as we're in a state of quarantine, you know, uh, restricted access that, in fact, more people are able to access and hear Judy and Dennis and you uh, and Cynthia's uh, hate crimes training. Now, there's there's no doubt that the in-person experience of going to the gala and to meeting Judy face-to-face, -face, you, right. you just can't do that online. But uh, you'll be able to provide some access to them that ordinarily they just wouldn't, yeah. a person wouldn't get. Yeah, and, and we can do it flexibly. We're not worried about, oh... She's going to be in Louisville, Kentucky that day, so we can't really make that work. Let's look at some other dates. Like, she can be in Louisville at 9 a.m. and she can be in Portland, Oregon at two in the afternoon. Right. So, and never uh, have to catch on. Never have to get on a plane, which is probably right? something I know she likes. She, you know, uh, planes <laughs> kind of became her secondary habitat. She really knows how to fly on a plane. She knows how to get the seat she wants and all that stuff. But um, she doesn't. She doesn't miss that part because whenever you fly anywhere from Casper, Wyoming, you've got to hop on the 530 in the morning flight to Denver. 
so that's always brutal especially in like january when it's minus 10 degrees and blowing 30 miles an hour but uh, sounds miserable. she did say on our on our program yesterday she said what i really she's she said i'm a, a super introvert so i'm really good at spending time at home but i really miss the hugs mm. and i've said only half jokingly before that the Matthew Shepard Foundation's most important program is Hug Patrol. Mm-hmm. That we kind of go find the people who need a hug from Judy Shepard and and make make sure they get it. Yeah. Because it actually, you're right. I mean, the experience of being in person with someone and feeling them being close to you, like, and so it's really important for us as purveyors of an emotional experience to figure out ways um, that we can work around uh, what are likely to be changes in mass behavior yeah. for, for some years to come, I think. Well, you've done it quite well, uh, that's for sure. And uh, let's talk about hate crimes a little bit. That's yeah. one of the programs that's sort of a flagship training that the foundation is doing. Give us a sense of where hate crimes are trending right now. I mean, we, we definitely saw a change in the, in the statistics and the direction starting in 2016. What are you hearing? Yeah, they are, they are up. Uh, last year was an interesting mix. Um, the last report we received was for 2018. They come out about 10 to 11 months after the fact. So last November, we got the 2018 statistics. And in another three or four weeks, we'll get the 2019 statistics. But we have seen from local departments that release their statistics in the summer and in the fall before the FBI compiles them all nationally. They're up. They're up. Uh, they've more than doubled in Denver. Um, while they've slightly declined in some of the inner ring suburbs of Denver. So it's a very confusing picture. But in cities uh, across the country, uh, the upward trend continues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's our expectation that the number of victims um, reported for 2019 will surpass 9,000 for the first time in over a decade. Um, just based on the percentages of increase that we've seen in the cities uh, and counties that have already released their numbers. Um, They're substantially up uh, for uh, religious uh, motivation, uh, a huge number of anti-Semitic incidents uh, in the last year, even more than the increased level they were at in the last two, three years. Um, LGBTQ actually has stayed relatively steady over the last couple of years. It's really been race and religion, uh, which together comprise about 80% of all hate crimes. So that's not exactly a surprise, but um, yeah, racial incidents, um, anti-Semitic, anti-Islamic incidents, uh, I think could unfortunately set records this year. Hmm. I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm wrong and that the jurisdictions that haven't reported independently will come in with lower numbers. Uh, anything's possible, but um, I'm terribly concerned that we're on track to set a record year. And, uh, you know, what 2020 ends up looking like, uh, just based on uh, the incidents around uh, race and religion that have already occurred in this year, it, it'll be a year and a month before we find out what's going on right now. But Based on media coverage, um, it, it isn't going to be a decline. I, I, I'm pretty confident it'll right. be another very high year. Right. Well, we reported on Outbeat News, and, and I commented earlier on this show, that there, there has been already a record number of murders involving trans women. Yes. Every mm-hmm. year sets a record of yeah. uh, uh, 
trans women being the victim of homicide, particularly trans women of color. The media has gotten better at following this, uh, but that's because activists made them do it uh, and I shamed them into it. Um, but it has also impelled police departments nationwide to create hate crime uh, investigative task forces. We, we in Denver created that task force last year and the district attorney's office created a parallel task force so that at any time, uh, any suspected hate incident would be investigated by at least one detective and one deputy district attorney um, on call mm -hmm. at the time uh, on the scene. Uh, and uh, I, I'm proud as a member of our commission here in Denver uh, on the public safety uh, subcommittee that we did that. Um, we were among the earlier departments to do that, not by any means the first, um, but it is a growing trend around the country. And uh, listeners, uh, if you're not sure your local PD or sheriff's department or uh, prosecuting attorney's office have created these uh, and trained the participants, um, a timely word to your mayor or city council or county commission member uh, would be well advised because it's a best practice and it improves public safety for all of us. Well, that's, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's not just a question of having the task force, but it's also about making sure that the persons involved in that, the officers, the investigators involved in that are trained. In California, yeah. we're really lucky because at least every new recruit in the basic police academy has to go through required hate crimes investigations training, but there's no follow-up training requirement right. after that. So that's where the Matthew Shepard Foundation comes in with Cynthia Deedle, uh, retired FBI agent, uh, unit chief. She's really a, a premier subject matter expert. Talk about the programming that she's providing and the training for law enforcement. Absolutely. Uh, Cynthia has, uh, as you point out, uh, been the unit chief of the Civil Rights Unit at FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., has also worked in numerous field offices around the country. She was part of the 9-11 response team in New York early in her career. Um, and she's worked a number, and some of them quite successfully, of cold cases from the 1950s and 60s civil rights uh, violence uh, in the Deep South. Uh, so she brings a wealth of experience to our programming. She's been with us for three and a half years, coming up on four Sometime around January 2017, she decided she didn't feel so excited about working for Uncle Sam and thought she could do something more important. Uh, and uh, she had previously worked with Judy and Dennis and myself on training law enforcement after the passage of the Shepherd Bird Act in 2009. Um, and she's a gifted educator in addition to being law enforcement. But we get groups of law enforcement. Uh, two days ago, we had... 175-ish uh, officers in Massachusetts from numerous departments all, all across the Commonwealth uh, participate in a day and a half training, very intensive, uh, with Cynthia and some of her colleagues from the Justice Department in the past who have uh, left the agency but continue to volunteer for us. Um, and we get officers together. Uh, this was done virtually, of course, um, but they present case studies of uh, hate crimes that have happened over time, both in that jurisdiction and elsewhere, uh, to walk them through uh, how it was investigated, what were the shortcomings, did the victims get justice, uh, did the public learn anything from it, um, um, 
were there mistakes made uh, in handling the case that uh, in the light of day we now realize could have been avoided? Um, what, what does your local state hate crime law look like versus the federal case law? Um, would any given case qualify as a hate crime or not? Um, and, you know, kind of aggressively calling on participants to answer questions and participate in the conversation. And um, the hope being that, God forbid, but we know it will happen, um, uh, a 911 call will come in, a given officer will be the first response on the scene, and will they understand what they're looking at? Will they understand that bias may have been a motivation? What questions could be asked? What, in the deeper investigation, what are they looking for in the suspect's home? Are they, you know, are they finding anti-Semitic literature laying around the apartment? Like, uh, are they looking at the online presence that person has? Does that indicate um, any formation of bias uh, prior to the crime? So um, it's, um, it's emotionally moving uh, to be in one of these rooms because some of the cases that they present are truly harrowing truly antisocial, cruel acts um, that people have committed. And um, I, I have to take my hat off to people in public safety who can deal with these gruesome situations in a professional manner, maintain their rational judgment, remember their training, um, and follow through on uh, the game plan, how to, how to carry this case to justice. It's, um, it's remarkable. And we've trained um, we're well on our way to 2000 officers over the period that she's been with us. And again, as I mentioned, the, uh, existence of the virtual option is expanding our reach. Yeah. So it's our hope that we'll reach more cops and more prosecutors. Well, it's, it's, it's even more important now, especially now under the executive order that our current president signed prohibiting any kind of bias training for right. federal employees, or at least the funding for it. Uh, the Matthew Shepard Foundation is really the only organization out there that's actively doing this state-of-the-art hate crimes training for law enforcement around the country and is and is funding that through yep. uh, events like this gala that we're going to yeah. hear in just a few minutes. Yeah, through the $10 donations people are moved to make on our website, we're able to deliver this training that the United States used to deliver. Like when Shepard Bird passed in 2009, the FBI and Justice Department embarked on a multi-year course of training law enforcement all around the country. And they invited Judy and Dennis Shepard to do it. And they employed Cynthia Deedle to run a lot of them. And so that's where the working relationship came together. And then lo and behold, uh, in early 2017, those programs ceased with no explanation. There wasn't a press release saying, we're, stop, we're stopping this. They just stopped doing it just like they stopped doing the State Department stuff that Judy and Dennis and I used to do overseas to help law enforcement and uh, civil society groups in other countries kind of catch up on this issue. Um, and we felt we had an obligation to continue that. And we got the calls and emails saying that people wanted it. So we found the money and the personnel to do it. And so now we invite the Department of Justice or at least their former employees to come to our training um, and we also get to control the catering for lunch. So that's a benefit. <laughs> well, there you go. That wraps it all up. Well, where can people go to learn more about what's going on right now today with the Matthew Shepard Foundation? 
MatthewShepard.org uh, is full of resources, recently redesigned to make it uh, easier to navigate. Uh, the About Us section, we have an extensive section on hate crime programming. Uh, for our youth programming, please visit uh, MatthewsPlace.com. Uh, we've expanded the youth correspondents who are writing for us. We have young women of color from Asia and Africa contributing for the first time. Uh, as well as uh, a, we have a cartoonist. I mean, that has really come along. And um, for those of you who just want a sampler, um, find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, uh, where we curate the best of our content and offer people the opportunity to provide feedback. Fantastic. Well, Jason Marsden, thanks so much for catching us up a bit and keep up the good work. We appreciate it. And more today than ever, we need it. I appreciate you, Greg. Thank you for having me on. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Outbeat News In-Depth here on KRCB-FM Radio 91. I'm Greg Moralia, and we're bringing you highlights tonight from this year's Matthew Shepard Foundation Gala, which was held virtually online. Before we get to some of the speakers, I want to remind you that we have a gift basket from the Matthew Shepard Foundation full of swag from this year's gala. It's available on eBay. We're trying to raise some money for the foundation, and 100% of the proceeds we raise tonight for that gift basket will go to fight hate. You can learn more about this gift basket by going to our website at outbeatnews.com. Just click on the link in the center of the page. Welcome to the Matthew Shepard Foundation 2020 Bear to Make a Difference Gala. This is actress Judith Light. October 12th, 1998. A day that all of us in this company will remember always. It is not only a day to remember Matthew, but also Judy and Dennis and their entire family. Most people cannot take something so heinous and find their way through it. Find their way to a farther shore, one that is filled with community, support, and light. However, Judy and Dennis are no ordinary people. When they started the Matthew Shepard Foundation at their first gala, they honored me, and I have felt profoundly grateful and connected to this organization and to them ever since. The world is um, very, very upside down at this moment in time, and it may be quite a while before it writes itself. So for all their fine and grand and glorious work for the LGBTQIA community, for advocating for the end of bigotry and reminding the world that we are one family and to honor Matthew's memory, we stand together tonight, sit together tonight, hold each other tonight, albeit virtually, but connected nonetheless. The need is so great in so many places right now. However, if you can find it in your hearts and your pocketbooks to donate no matter what the amount, Judy and Dennis and the organization will be deeply grateful and I add my gratitude to theirs. May you stay safe and well until we can all be together in person again and honor this extraordinary work done in Matthew's memory by these extraordinary people. Please welcome Matthew Shepard Foundation co-founder and board president, Judy Shepard. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us tonight. I know this is very strange for you and it's absolutely very strange for me. I wanna congratulate Jude on her award and Julie for hers and God love them both for the work that they do for all of us in the communities. Thanks to my friends for their contributions to the videos and my headline for 2020, what the F. 
I mean, please, come on. It's ridiculous, right? Um, one bad thing after another, and I tried to write notes for this evening, but I kept thinking, what's going to be one more thing and one more thing and one more thing? What are we, what, how many times am I going to have to change it to keep adding something awful that's happening in the year of 2020? The year that never was, that lasted forever. So here we are. We have a job to do, and that's to make it better. And we're going to do that together. And how are we going to do that? We have a plan. And the plan is, y'all have to vote. You have to make the effort to vote. You have to register. You have to find out where to go. Are you going to do it in person? Are you going to do it early? Are you going to mail it in? Are you going to drop it off? Do you have a plan? Please, please have a plan. Don't let 2016 happen again, please. And for those of you that didn't vote in 2016, shame on you. You are the reason we are in this mess. I don't want to see that happen ever, ever again, ever again. This is your responsibility, and it's your privilege. Y'all, get out there and do it. This is hard work, and it needs to change it. It's for all of us. It's for our success. It's our future. It's our children's future. It's everybody's future. It's the planet's future. It's democracy's future. It's the world's future. I'm scared. I'm really scared, and I'm really, really mad. So we're going to fix this, and we're going to do it right. We're going to do it right. We're going to stay vigilant. We're going to pay attention. And we're going to not let this stuff happen to us anymore. This violence to the people of color who are driving while black, shopping while black. Are you kidding me? That is absolutely ridiculous. It's the worst. Who are we? Who are we? This is not who we are. Not that. Not that ever. Are we wearing masks or not? Do we care about each other? I hope to God we do. Because this is about everybody. Everybody, everybody. Now this year, in all its calamities, we lost two really great heroes, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and John Lewis. They set an example for us. We need to follow what they did, get into good trouble, pay attention, fight for our friends and neighbors. Good trouble. It's always about good trouble. We've had to accommodate new things in our lives this virtual, whatever this is, maybe with us forever now, I don't know. But it makes it really hard for us to do our work. Our work was all about travel and meeting people. And I so miss everybody and all the hugs and the kind words and knowing that you really are making a difference and seeing it and feeling it. You know, we're just working for the very best, all of us. We have to get there. We're only going to do it if we rise up together and make it happen. So I'm calling on you all to make a commitment and make it happen. This is going to work for us. I know it will. You've been to our galas. You know I mean what I say. I'm not a big talker, but I'm really mad tonight. And I've been mad for four freaking years. So let's fix it. Let's fix it. We cannot let this continue to happen to our friends and our neighbors. We cannot let this discrimination and the hate continue and the violence and the and the language and the divisions that are causing us so much angst in our lives. We have to make a difference, and it's up to us to do it. It's about our futures, everybody's futures. So I'm pleading with you to please, please try to make a difference. Try? Oh, hell no. Make a difference. Get out there and do it. Get out there and do it. I'm hoping that this message is reaching all of you in the most important way, because I'm going to keep saying it. This is crucial, and the only way to fix it is to actually vote. But when we vote, 
then what are we going to do? Are we going to still pay attention or are we going to shut the door again and not really watch what's happening? And we can't do that either. We know there are things that need to be fixed. And we know there are, it's not going to happen just in an election. It's going to take all of us to continue to work. So I'm calling on you to make it better. Thank you for being with us tonight. And um, go out there and vote. I'm going to come for you if you don't. I'm done. Hello everyone, I'm State Representative Leslie Herod. I'm proud to be the first African-American LGBTQ person to hold elected office in Colorado. I'm also an honoree of the Dennis Doherty for Community Leadership Award in 2014. Dennis was a dear friend of mine and it was such an honor, thank you. But tonight, I'm honored to present our first award, the Spirit of Matthew Award. The Spirit of Matthew Award recognizes a young person who embodies the spirit of Matt, kind, forward-thinking, and advocating for their peers. A youth who demonstrates a profound personal commitment to social justice, equal rights, and activism, all while showing the same passion to foster a more caring and just world, just like Matt. I'm proud to present the 2020 Spirit of Matthew Award to Jude, who I'm also grateful to call my friend. Let me tell you a little bit about this amazing youth advocate. Jude is only 13 years old and she's the namesake of Colorado's Jude's Law. As a young transgender student, Jude, Jude testified for four straight years on the bill that allows transgender and non-binary Coloradans of any age to have accurate reflective identification documents. And to kick off 2020, Jude received a new birth certificate thanks to the state law that she helped to pass in Colorado. Alongside One Colorado, a local LGBTQ advocacy group and a team of my peers in the LGBTQ caucus. You know, I've watched Jude fight at the General Assembly for so long, she is my inspiration. She showed me that you must keep fighting for a bill to make it happen because it's not only for yourself, but will make the world a better place. Jude, you deserve this award. And I know you will continue to fight for trans youth and all people as we work to create a more just society. And thank you for promoting Matthew Shepard's foundation, a vote for Matt is a vote for me campaign. Jude. You truly, truly deserve this award, and I'm so honored to present it to you. Congratulations. Thank you, Representative Herod, for that kind introduction and for all of your support and hard work in making Jude's Law a reality. I also wish to thank the wonderful team at One Colorado. And finally, I want to thank the sponsors of Jude's Law, Representative Escar and Senator Moreno, along with everyone that I testified with year after year. This award is for all of us. I'm so excited to share this evening with my fellow honorees, Ms. Chavez, Ms. Tomlin, and Ms. Wagner. You are all inspirations to young women like me. It is truly an honor to receive this award in Matt's name. His legacy empowers individuals to find their voice and create change and challenge communities to identify and address hate that lives within our schools, neighborhoods, and homes. 
In my advocacy work, I also encourage youth to find their voice and share their stories, because I believe that this is how we break down barriers, fear, discrimination, and bullying. By sharing my story and my truth, I can change people's narrative on the transgender community. One story at a time allows us to be heard, acknowledged, welcomed, and celebrated. I say celebrated because I have the most amazing family who not only supports me in my advocacy work, but has also taught me to celebrate who I am. Just like Mr. and Mrs. Shepard, my family strive every day to ensure equality for all. They never give up on me and they never stop fighting for what they know is right. When one bill passes, they are eager to move on to the next steps with their advocacy. They have taught me to never give up because my rights are worth fighting for. And what a fight it has been. I believe that Mrs. Shepard and I have walked very similar paths in working to pass legislation Jude's Law and the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Junior Hate Crimes and Prevention Act. We both faced a number of misinformed senators and representatives along the way. Folks on the family testified against both of our bills and both bills died at least five times before they were finally passed. But Mrs. Shepard and I kept suiting up and showing up for what we knew was right in efforts to ensure equality for all. We never gave up just because we were told no. Now I'm here speaking to people all around the country, hopefully inspiring others the way Mrs. Shepard has inspired me. Please know that you have a powerful voice and your story is very important. Share your story because it's special and unique and you have the power to change minds and open hearts. And remember that we're all living this journey together and you're never alone. Lastly, I look at tonight's theme of rising together. It reminds me of how important it is to come together as a community because Jude's Law, I'm pretty sure would never have been passed if we hadn't done that year after year. Rising together also means that it's incredibly important to vote this year. I'm not old enough to vote yet, so I need all of you to vote for me. Transgender rights are in jeopardy as a result of the person sitting in the White House in 2020, and it continues to be scary for the transgender community. My hope is that Joe Biden will be our president in 2021 and that all LGBTQ plus people can live their lives freely without the fear of being killed, hurt, or having their rights taken away. I hope that we can find peace in our country where Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ plus rights and climate change is prioritized. Thank you to the Shepherds and the Foundation for this honor. I commit to continuing Matt's legacy by fighting to replace hate with understanding, compassion, and acceptance. I also invite all of you here tonight to join me on this journey. Share your story with others and be the change that you want to see in the world. We can all work as Matt did to create a more caring and just world. Thanks again and good night. You can feel it. This inflection point, deciding what we want our future to be. If we can envision the future, maybe we can make it real. I wish for, no, I want. I want a world where I can wake up in the morning without bracing for the next crisis to hit. Where the first thing we wonder about another person isn't which side they're on. Where compromising is viewed as a success, not as a failure. I don't want this just for me. I want it for everyone. I want a world where day by day our planet isn't becoming sicker but becoming healthier. Where LGBTQ is as accepted as ABCDE. Where all of humankind unites for a common purpose, like exploring space or fighting a pandemic. I want a world where we look beyond someone's race, religion, or sex to see their character. Imagine your future, then make it happen. Our final award tonight is our Making a Difference Award, and I'd like to turn it back over to Judy. Thank you, Debbie. I'm pleased to present tonight's final award, the Making a Difference Award, to a very special couple. 
The Making a Difference Award recognizes individuals and organizations committed to replacing hate with understanding, compassion, and acceptance. We honor their unwavering and longstanding leadership in working toward a better world. The award is sculpted by award-winning artist, Chris Navarro, and is inspired by his sculpture, The Ring of Peace, a beautiful memorial in Casper, Wyoming, dedicated to Matthew and the victims of Columbine High School, which also which took place in 1999, six months after we lost Matt. The bell of the award stands for liberty, and the ring is for the promise of tomorrow, while a white dove spreads its wings atop the bell as a symbol of peace. It is with great enthusiasm that I present the 2020 Making a Difference Award to Lily Tomlin and Jane Wagner. On the strengths of their extraordinary talents, Lily and Jane rose from quiet beginnings to the heights of fame in comedy, stage, and screen. Their bios alone are impressive, earning between them multiple primetime and daytime Emmys, Tonys, Peabody Awards, Grammy nominations, in addition to a Writers Guild Award, the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor, and receiving the prestigious Kennedy Center Honor. If you're part of my generation, the name Lily Tomlin makes you think of Laugh-In, The Incredible Shrinking Woman, Nine to Five, All of Me, and Big Business. But apparently, if you are much younger than me, which is everybody else out there, you may be more familiar with Lily's work on The West Wing, Will and Grace, Damages, and of course, everyone's favorite, Grace and Frankie on Netflix. Jane's work behind the camera as one of America's most distinguished playwrights includes Appearing Nightly, The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, The Incredible Shrinking Woman, and an Edith Ann album, Edith Ann, and That's the Truth. The duo who wed on New Year's Eve 2013 have used their platform to serve as role models and advocates for a variety of philanthropic organizations, such as founding the Los Angeles LGBT Center's Lewis Homlin, Jane Wagner Cultural Arts Center, and the Goosebump Garden at the internationally known LGBT Fenway Health Center in Boston. Their advocacy extends to animal welfare, environmental concerns, women's issues, homelessness. In short, they have a passion for preserving the planet and bettering the human condition. We've tried to honor Lily and Jane for many years, but the timing never seemed to work out. They were so busy. But surprisingly, this year, nobody seems very busy. So it's indeed our honor to be able to honor Lily and Jane. Even though we couldn't do it in person, we don't get to hug or share stories, have photos. Just being able to honor them is indeed a privilege and an honor for all of us. So please join me in welcoming Lily and Jane from their home in LA. Hello to everyone attending this marvelous virtual gala. It's so reassuring to see that the COVID virus cannot diminish the energy, the love, or the strength of the shepherds. I hope everyone here tonight is wonderfully well. I'm Lily Tomlin, and my partner Jane Wagner and I are the recipients tonight of the Making a Difference Award on behalf of the Matthew Shepherd Foundation. Jane, unfortunately, has laryngitis. She's not feeling well, and she could not be here to participate, but she sends her love to everyone. Jane is the writer in the family, and she wrote a a lovely speech for us to deliver together, but now it is up to me. Jane and I are deeply honored to be chosen to join the elite group of activists and advocates who have received the Making a Difference Award 
for the last two decades. We simply cannot convey how moving it is to be recognized by two people who have been transformative in the long march toward equality for everyone, Judy and Dennis Shepard. Jane and I have greatly admired the Shepard family for their determination and tenacity in the wake of such a shocking personal tragedy to devote their lives to helping others who are excluded, discriminated against, and worst of all, targeted for violence simply because of who they are. The senseless loss of Matthew Shepard and countless others like him, whether for their race, gender, religion, nationality, gender identity, disability, or sexual orientation is a humanitarian tragedy that only shows signs of increasing in these recent troubling years. Judy and Dennis Shepard have told us, educate and bring understanding where you see ignorance and hate. Bring light where you see darkness. Bring freedom where there is fear. And to the shepherds we say, bless you and remain strong. There are so many of us who have your back, who see you as friends and treasures to our community. In fact, one of your greatest fans is our own Edith Ann. Yes, Judy and Dennis, you could make a difference in the whole wide world or in your own neighborhood. It is a great feeling. I know because I am one of the ones to make a difference. And the hard part is getting people to see the difference and proving that I am the one who made it. Yes, either I am not making a big enough difference or somebody else is getting all the credit. Yes, and that is the truth. We applaud the shepherd's theme of rising together for that is most certainly what we all need to do in this crossroads moment in history. And your participation here tonight represents your commitment to erasing hate. When Eric Holder was the 2019 honoree of this Making a Difference Award, he said, we cannot fight these battles alone. There are allies to be made, coalitions to be structured, and responsibilities to be shared. Jane and I agree wholeheartedly, and we will commit to doing our part to live up to the prestige and responsibility of this honor. And in all we do, we promise to emulate the shepherds, unwavering and long-standing leadership in working toward a world free of hate. Our love goes out to all young people finding their way to themselves in this challenging world. And our great, great respect and admiration goes out to Judy and Dennis for the commitment they have made in their beautiful son's name to give our world a better future. We implore all of you in this virtual gathering to incorporate the determination of Judy and Dennis in all of your actions and, and activism for equality and freedom. And if you can, donate to the Matthew Shepard Foundation or to, and to all groups that, that work toward a better world for everyone a world where we can replace hate with understanding, compassion, and acceptance. Thank you to all of you who support the Matthew Shepard Foundation's work. You are truly the ones making a difference every day. 
Stay safe, stay well, and stay at it. And if you'd like to get involved in supporting the Matthew Shepard Foundation's work to end hate through education, training of law enforcement, and all the amazing work they do, don't forget we have our gift basket from this year's gala available, and it's up for auction right now on eBay. You can find a link to it on our website at outbeatnews.com. Just look on the center of the page. To me, this year's theme of Rising Together means trying to get people to listen. I think everyone in America right now is shouting. Everyone's just shouting at each other. And no one really listens when they're being shouted at. No one really changes their mind or opinion when they're being shouted at either. So rising together to me is a very noble um, attempt to get back to what is really important and try to stop people making our politics and our society and our lives a team sport and actually trying to find some kindness and compassion again. It means that we are at this point in this country where we must recognize that if we want to win the battles that we are, that we are fighting individually, collectively as a community, but also collectively as a country, as a nation, we need to join together in the fight. And by joining together in the fight, we are then able to rise together to make this country what it promises to be, what it has always promised to be, and what, unfortunately, it has always fallen short of being. Rising together means there is strength in working collectively. There is power in reaching for a goal, and it suggests that we will overcome. Well, I think we have to rise together because we don't have a lot of help from uh, the powers that be. It's not you know, top of their list. So we have to bond together. It's something that we learned a long, long time ago, even the early days of the AIDS crisis, that we're a community that has to take care of our own. And so I think that is uh, uh, what that means to me personally. It's, it takes a village. And so our, our wonderful LGBTQ and all those other letters come together and it's our village. Rising together is how we win. We're in a world that is fractured on purpose. People are trying purposefully to divide us, to, to make us feel like even within communities, parts of communities are the enemy. Rising together is how we win, how we prevail against some of the darker sentiment. We're starting our 20th year, which would be unbelievable to any of us who were around in 1998 when all of this happened, that in Matt's memory, his friends, his family, and now millions of people in the public have continued to demand that this work be done in his honor. What has happened in the two decades since then has been nothing short of extraordinary. This afternoon I signed into law the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act.
Just moments ago, the Supreme Court uh, making same-sex marriage legal in this country across every state in this nation. When all Americans are treated as equal, we are all more free. Donald Trump wins the presidency, defeating Hillary Clinton in a campaign unlike anything we've seen in our lifetime. We find ourselves in a different kind of America than we thought we lived in. The social climate of division and hatred that we find ourselves in today is, has been a, a hard lesson to absorb uh, for everyone who remembers Matt uh, and had hoped that in his memory we were making real progress. Deadly chaos on the streets of Charlottesville, Virginia. In 2017, I'm, I'm really afraid. I feel like we've stepped back decades. And in our work in particular, I feel like we're at ground zero again. I'm angry that people who knew better let this happen, that we let this happen. You feel the anger and the frustration, um, and you have to channel that into making things happen. It has to be what gets you up and keeps you moving. For me, the connection to the Matthew Shepard Foundation is very personal. When Matthew was murdered, I was a teenager and was already afraid to come out to anyone. This work is more important than ever because you can't pass laws to make people like or accept you. But what you can do is create future leaders who will help build a country rather than tearing each other down. We live through times when hate and fear seem stronger. And love is 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 love cannot be killed or swept aside. The inspiration for why I'm here, it's bigger than me. This deadly shooting that unfolded overnight in Orlando, Florida at the Pulse nightclub. We think it's important that you hear their names. Christopher Andrew Leonone, known as Drew. My friend Drew was a victim of the Pulse shooting. I take Matt and Drew with me everywhere, every day, to really push myself forward through this grief. Working in a nonprofit that stems from a tragedy, we all share that gumption and that wherewithal and that desire to fix this, not, for, not just for ourselves, but we want to fix this for society. We want to fix this for the youth who are growing up needing this help. It inspires people when you see what injustice can do. It gives us a reason to keep fighting. So I worked for 22 years in the FBI, primarily civil rights, hate crimes and police brutality. There'd be a crime against an LGBT member and they'd call the FBI and I would go, I don't have a law that allows me to help you. I can't help you. And there was nothing worse. And then October of 09, and I could say, I can help you, I can help you. That law with his name on it and James Byrd Jr.'s name on it, that's gonna continue forever. And that is an amazing tribute to Dennis and Judy and to Matt. We wanna continue with the hate crime trainings and the community outreach, partner with the Department of Justice and the FBI and local law enforcement to touch as many communities as we can to make the change real. Hate crime reporting is so critical to our society, to communities trusting their law enforcement, and we that has to happen. The best way to start that process of coming together is with Dennis and Judy. They're an unbelievable, humble set of parents who took this tragedy and decided to make real and lasting positive change come out of it.
so that no other set of parents have to do what they do. We had a gay son, and we were proud of him. We have a straight son, and we're proud of him. Our kids are our national treasure, not money, not weapons, but our kids. Every time I look out in the crowd, everybody I see, I consider to be my kids. And you all need to be protected, supported, and I'm a dad, and I'm going to take care of every one of my kids. What happened to Matt was the starting point. The work that Judy did made the changes. She is my hero. I'm just so proud of her. I think one of Matt's greatest uh, legacies is a generation of activists and advocates that I don't think would have been moved to participate in that world uh, had Matt not been murdered in the way he, that he was. Judy Shepard honoring her son by telling his story. I don't ever prepare remarks for anything, ever. No. That's when I feel mad. It always feels like I'm saying what he would be saying. I mean, to go into an office and Matt's picture is everywhere and it, it's constantly inspiring as to why we all do this. We're all doing it because of him. And that's why we come to work every day and keep fighting. I cannot think of anyone else in my life that has had more impact on the world than Matt Shepard. The thought that he's had that impact, mostly while he wasn't here, is uh, humbling and graceful, and that's the spirit we want to do this work in. And that wraps up our show. You still have a chance to support the Matthew Shepard Foundation's work to erase hate by bidding on the exclusive gift basket we put together for tonight's show. Just go to OutbeatNews.com and click the link to eBay in the center of the page. Be sure to tune in next week to Outbeat Radio's Living Proof with Sheridan Gold and Dr. Diana Grayer. That's at 8 p.m. and only here on Radio 91. In the meantime, have a great week, and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Everywhere is freaks and harries, dykes and fairies, tell me where is sanity. Support for Outbeat Radio and KRCB-FM comes from listeners and from the JCC's Virtual Jewish Film Festival, showcasing 10 international films and taking place now through November 16th. The films, including comedies, dramas, shorts, and documentaries, are available online and on demand. Information on the films and tickets is available now at www.jccsoco.org. On air, online, or on the go, we are KRCBFM Windsor and K215CQ Santa Rosa, a service of Northern California Public Media. It's 9 p.m. Stay with us. Afropop is next.